This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our Daily Dose podcast, covering all about day-to-day global affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. Hello, good evening to everyone who is joining us from Sydney, and also hello to everyone who is joining us from around the world. Welcome to the Community Connect webinar by agencies in collaboration with the Ultimate Global Podcast. Today we have got a very special topic and also a very special guest speaker with us. The topic and the theme for today is surrounding the international education and international students sector. And we are going to discuss about this very crucial topic of how does the future of international education look like? And to discuss with me on this topic, we have got Riddhi Parikh, who is the Director of Transglobe Education. Welcome to today's Community Connect webinar, Riddhi. Thank you, Saurabh. Thank you. And just to correct that, I am the Director of Transglobe Melbourne, uh, you know, just on, on that factorial. But thank you for inviting me. I think you are doing a fantastic job. Um, and this topic is very much in trend about um, international education, uh, you know, at this point in time and with the current situation of pandemic as well, how the, it is changing so swiftly um, uh, in on the global platform. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the place from where I'm speaking from, Riddhi, we all know about the statistics of this place as well, that Australia has lost around $19 billion and is expected to lose that much every year in the next three years. And Australia has also lost more than 20,000 jobs, which are definitely at risk over the next few months as well. And this has been a big question mark for students who might be willing to study in different countries, whether this is the right time or probably we have to wait for the lockdown to get over. So um, I want to take your general perspective as well on this situation of what you think about the future of international education sector across the globe, across different countries. Um, Saurabh, thank you for asking me this question. Now, the thing is that um, when it comes to the current situation, it is not a particular country or a particular state which is facing. It is something which is um, globally, you know, and I think people have started living with this fact you know that we are into this situation and we will be out um, you know sooner or later it's just that few of the countries have really seen um it at its peak and they have come back you know and probably um you know i'm sure that australia also will recover very very soon you know considering um the health system and way the entire plan in australia is so i think that um you know what australia is facing what i would say that you know i mean all of the countries especially india has faced um at its but like about 10 times more than that, you know, for that instance. Coming back to international education, um, international education, um, you know, from IMI, I will talk uh, globally and also from uh, South Asia specific, you know, at this point in time, um, because I'm based in India at this point in time, you know, and, and the majority of the students going to abroad is from India, you know, one of the highest contributed, um, you know, to the international education sector. Um, having said that, what I, uh, what we believe is that that the new thing is the entire international education has 
seen an evolution from from a face to face mode to a tech oriented mode you know uh, and i think this was as in going to come sooner or later but unfortunately it has come due to this particular situation the amount of students who are willing to go to abroad you know in fact uh, the strange part is that during pandemic you know it has actually crossed twice the numbers into different parts of the world you know um uh, and uh, and there are a lot of reasons associated to this there is a reason associated in the health awareness there is re- reasons wherein students have received their results very late so if you talk about you know the the accumulation of numbers you know from last year to this year has increased eventually as well you know thirdly there are students you know who have been waiting for a couple of years or a couple of months as well due to x y z their personal circumstance that has again accumulated so a lot of things has kind of contributed to uh, an increase into the, into the number of students especially from india as well you know going abroad to countries such as us uk um canada and and even for that instance european countries and i'm sure once australia um uh, opens up its borders which will be you know not uh, that far as well which i see you know it's not going to take years or years for the borders not to open we can we'll see the numbers to you know uh, students to actually go there as well and there are a lot of students who are actually waiting for australian borders to open so my point of view is that it has actually you know um given a shift to digital sector you know uh, and secondly uh, is that that the students in the international domain who wants to study who wants to take global exposure pertaining to their goals they are either pursuing their studies online or opting you know different countries to uh, you know pursue their education absolutely so i totally agree with you on that fact that the numbers have drastically fallen down if you see as comparison to 2019 we see that there has been a drop of 48% in the number of students who are coming to different countries not only uk us australia there has been an equal spread though most of the people are now preferring to go to uk and canada because of the fact that they are more uh, migrant friendly policy in those countries but again as you said that students are also willing to open up to this discussion that this is the hybrid world and this is the new kind of environment which is actually the new normal in today's era isn't it this is the new normal that we are living in absolutely and bigger of the bigger companies have actually approved work from home policy and lot of big companies have actually opted this as the most comfortable way of giving a well being to their team members as well because at the end of the day uh, you know the work is happening to its efficient most efficient level yes there is going to be a pro and a con to each and every pertaining to different industries you know uh, for for that instance but overall i think uh that as you said that you know i think this is something which uh, we are i mean each industry each individual each sector is finding its own coping mechanism to kind of live with this but moving to a more valuable uh, you know point of discussion riddhi is uh, what do you think can be some of the measures which can be taken by the different governments you know everybody can have different perspectives to it 
a um, lot of people have been criticizing the uh, government measures i'm not talking about a specific country but it has been a case across the world that some of the measures have been against the students and some of the measures have been supporting the students a lot in terms of you know being in australia we have got so much of financial support from the australian government in terms of taking care of our accommodation taking care of our other financial needs in spite of being an international student so there has not been any kind of discrimination happening in that regard but again we see that the borders are not opening and that is kind of a big torture for the students who are studying from abroad because i know being a student as well at unsw uh, how difficult it is for the students who are studying from their home countries and want to get a foreign kind of a feel uh, still while studying from india or bangladesh and i'm sure you must have also interacted with some of the students back there yes indeed um, you know as we uh, we have the business and you know we are into promoting international education we cater to four major countries you know uh, for sending students uh, at this point in time but having said that um, i i believe that every country is and every government is doing whatever they can in terms of their own domain you know it's just that the angle is very different you know and the countries which they feel they they should open up the borders they are but having said that what i believe is that that i believe that uh, 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 you know the the education collaboration should be the first point to be taken into consideration while wherein the students uh, um you know from their home country if the universities get collaborated with the universities in the home country and they come up with the joint module you know right which would give them maybe not if 100% but at least about 70 to 80% of the same study environment and study exposure and also face to face learning if if the covid situation is kind of under control you know i think that is a first point you know to be taken into consideration secondly um, when it comes to um, you know again um, you know when it comes to the safety of the student which any parents who are sending you know them to abroad they will they will obviously have a you know question mark even especially in this particular situation you know i think uh, that uh, governments and universities should get together um, in all countries you know to support uh, you know the quarantine facility you know wherein in terms of from a monetary point of view you know because that is where everything bottlenecks to you know that is the second step i think uh, the joint collaboration should work because at the end of the day international students are one of the biggest contribution to any country's economy uh you know so i think that is a second step which should be taken you know and um, you know the third step obviously it should be taken when it comes to the migration rules and regulations you know um the only thing is that um, uh, in this transition uh uh from a migration point of view because a lot of students go there and they go for another options you know after studying you know after getting good jobs that they want to definitely look into long term uh plan into that country you know for that instance now for that if if um migration rules don't support that you know let's say if they are studying online and they are not they are you know missing some benefits um due to that so so that creates kind of again a back 
back sort of lash in terms of uh, international students, uh, you know, having a question mark to opt that country or go to another country. So I think these three factorials, if they are taken from a from a not a broader perspective, but from a narrow perspective, and and uh, you know that could really you know, uh, kind of, um, you know, contribute uh, to making sure that the international education uh, goes on the way it was. Absolutely. You raised two wonderful points. The one is the collaboration with the education providers, the students, and probably the education consultants, migration consultants coming together on the same board and raising this point in front of the governments, the administration that how important is the international education sector at, at this point? And we know about this quarantine system that you're talking about. UK has adopted it pretty well. United Kingdom uh, is calling students from all around the world. And they have this 14 days of self-quarantine that you can go into. Uh, and you now have... they are reduced to 10 days of home quarantine. Absolutely. So... I think a similar sort of a model can also be adopted by different countries in the coming days. Once they touch that 70% or 80% vaccination rates, whichever rate they are targeting, because at some point you need to open up this international education sector and the tourism sector. You cannot keep that at all, isn't it? Absolutely, because at the end of the day, when in this world we are concentrating on mental stability, mental sanity of, uh, you know, your own people, you know, then this also contributes to that factorial, you know, um, uh, and, and I think uh, international education uh, should definitely uh, not, I mean, it is not stopping for other countries, the few other countries should definitely look into that domain. Yep. And you touch based on this concept of hybrid learning. Hybrid learning has been so effective that we never thought that it uh, one year back, if you ask somebody that we'll be switching towards online learning, but we will still be delivering the same kind of results that we were achieving before uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So I personally feel that hybrid learning has been a great learning curve for a lot of university providers, as well as the student community to get into hybrid and, and sort of hybrid learning you know and i feel that there is a small shift which needs to be done in hybrid learning um fit every university uh india being so big for example if i talk about india you know and even um let's think uh, i think universities can we may not want to collaborate with anyone and everyone you know because there's a lot of parameters associated to it but one can definitely look into collaborating with resident residency schools you know in india which is nearby uh, you know uh, and that residency schools have big campuses they have all facilities you know um, and will definitely contribute if universities um, from overseas have to con contribute to, to, the, to, the, to the residential schools over here uh, to give that type of experience because they will have uh, campuses spread across in acres and, and they will have good faculties, they'll have great systems, you know. And we have so many, um, you know, residential schools uh, over here. So I think I think that is something to be taken into consideration. Um, and also, while looking at some data before the session, uh, Riddhi, I was looking at some of the reasons why certain countries were able to attract the students, certain countries were not. If you look at the U.S. attractiveness, 
which has slightly fallen down because there has been an instability in the plans laid down by the university and a high level of uncertainty of the federal immigrant conditions. Whereas if you look at countries like Canada, there has been considerable amount of financial support provided to the students and as well as they're providing them with some sort of welcoming policies. Uh, they are, the students also see that these countries are having their economies uh, stable, stable economies, which is also attracting them to these countries. So do you also feel these kind of factors really shape the way the students think and also uh, the governments need to move towards making them their policies more friendly towards migration as you just touched based upon? Yes, indeed. Um, why Canada has become very success successful, for example, in terms of attracting international students, because the base thing is the providers and the government are absolutely working in sync at a, at a greater extent, you know, then and then, then only this is happening on a 360 degree. Uh, otherwise, it is very much impossible. Um, to have that sort of a change. And uh, Riddhi, one of the biggest contributors that international students make to any country is that they are bringing those diversified perspectives into the classrooms, right? When I came right. to study in Australia, you will see people coming from China, people coming from Southeast Asia, Europe, and that's where you develop different perspectives and also build a critical mindset. So if you stop international students from coming, actually you are halting that multiple or multicultural community communication inside the class because of which they contribute to a global learning with multiple viewpoints and life experiences that can be shared in the same classroom, isn't it? I agree. I agree to that. Uh, absolutely. And diversification is the key when it comes to any education. Why would a student is actually going and adopting international education? It is not only just great universities and great jobs. It is a lot beyond that, you know, and an overall personality development, especially in terms of communication and networking, which is a key at this point in time for an overall, uh, you know, a, a student shaping a student's personality for that instance so i think yes i completely um you know agree with you um sort of that um, we i mean face-to-face -face learning um and and uh, diversification of uh, um you know students really makes a difference and i think that is one of the most biggest usp which i think every institution highlights into their collaterals you know that we have this many percentage of international students which has xyz percentage from particular countries, you know. So yeah, I completely agree. And uh, Riddhi, uh, if you look at the numbers, um, the numbers that I have in front of me states me that uh, just one year of intake of student in UK boost the economy by 28.8 billion pounds. And in case of Australia, it is contributing to around 19 billion dollars, Australian dollars, um, because it's not only contributing directly to the international education sector, but it also generates jobs in the tourism sector, in the hospitality sector. And that's how the economy keeps on boosting to international education as a whole. I agree. And there is something known as time, which needs to be taken into consideration. Um, if the international education is not being given a chance on a timely manner, 
okay right then obviously the interest of the students gets diverted from one country to another and to then get back that interest it takes about couple of years which contributes to a downward economy graph and secondly when a lot of students you know uh, you know enters into a country you know in bulk because of covid or let's say you know they were the borders were closed and were not allowed or whatever in that instance then uh, for them to be satisfied you know uh, in in terms of overall exposure and overall experience you know becomes a question mark because that that also looks into a university's um capacity to hold the class strength to the uh, individual student to get the job on time a uh, part time job for experience as well so these are all non tangible factors you know which would definitely come in picture if it is too late absolutely and i think um, riddhi these are the reasons because of which a lot of international students are also facing that distress uh, we just uh, marked yesterday are you okay day in australia where we try to get into conversations with people and understand if they are feeling okay or not uh, back in india also we have got some colleagues who might be waiting to get their student visas approved get their uh you know different kind of visas approved because they have certain kind of plans to be fulfilled in 2021 and 2022 so uh what can be that one message if you know the students are listening to you in that regard um i would just want to say that um do not hold on to your dreams and uh, uh take the right step at right time you know and um at the end of the day if anyone is looking for international education you know right if one country at some point of time is not permitting or two countries for that instance i am sure there are other countries you know right which would um, you know have uh, great universities and great courses you know to pursue um, their dreams so i i believe that uh, um, you know one should go with the flow okay um and and not uh, put uh, a stand by uh, to their international career um, plans because uh, it is actually the, the the clock is ticking you know and at the end of the day their own time is going you know the days are passing you know and there is no point of just sitting and waiting and assuming so we should not assume and we should just go into the real act as in the real time and go with the flow sure and i think this is the need of the hour the, that all the stakeholders in the international education sector come together and uh, you know speak up their voice in solidarity so that the governments can also understand how important it is for uh, the sectors to reopen in the coming times and i'm quite sure that once the vaccination rates are approved uh, once the vaccination rates are reached uh, the the borders will open up and once those borders open up we will see that the international education sector across the countries in australia uk canada will again start picking up unfortunately you know we never thought that this will be a topic that we might have to discuss in 2021 if i look back 2 years back so such has been the uncertainty in the environment and that's what we have to be prepared for in today's era
Absolutely. And I think this is a time where every country and every uh, representative international education should seriously uh, take time to make sure to reform their policies, the work policies, the way they are operating, uh, you know, and I think for a betterment um, to welcome the the new you know, bunch of students which are going to come to that country with new, um, you know, um, uh, you know, facilities for them to get that confidence on that country, you know, which they have come in. Absolutely, Riddhi. And um, with this, probably we will be coming to an end to today's Daily Dose podcast. And I would personally like to thank you for joining us um, for today's Daily Dose for such an insightful discussion. And I'm sure that the audience uh, who have joined us today and who will be listening to you later on will get a lot of insights. Thank you so much, Riti, for joining us. Thank you, Saurabh. Thank you so much for your time and stay safe. And for the audience, before we leave, um, we will be just showing you a short snippet from Agencies, the Community Connect webinar by Agencies. Agencies is a digital CRM catering to the requirements of education and migration consultants worldwide. So do check the uh, two minutes snippet before we end the show. Thank you so much, Riti. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Generating clients from various online sources, tracking clients' progress through dozens of spreadsheets, and claiming commission from partners can become daunting. If you're an education or migration agency or operate in an industry where managing clients and partners is core, you know the hard struggles mm. of keeping their information organized and operations on schedule. You are most of the times left in the dark with no overall perspective on how your business is actually doing. Introducing Agensis, the management platform that helps you take full control of your agency business and boost your team productivity with advanced solutions and easy to use tools, no matter where you are or your team are around the globe. Forget about losing precious time managing and tracking things when you could be focusing on other more important aspects of your business. No more hassling with client information, trying to manually sort and connect them with partners. Here's how you can unleash Agensis power. Agensis offers integrated client management. Gain new leads and acquire clients from anywhere in a streamlined and efficient way. Have quick access to all client information, track them individually on each stage of service, and schedule invoices to track commissions so you will never miss a dollar. Agensis also helps you to manage your team more efficiently, create tasks and assign them to members, send reminders, manage team according to their role, measure performance, and work with flexibility and access your business from anywhere and at any time, all in a secure and safe environment based only on the most trusted cloud services. You've lost enough time. Let's get it back. Why wait when you can get started now?